What's up, what's up, everybody? It's Danny Green here, back with more Inside the Green Room. My guy Harrison Sanford. We are just now back from New York, where I got a chance to see my old teammate, Ben Simmons. We will discuss him later with Howard Beck, Sports Illustrated's finest. Uh, just was on his podcast a week or so ago, a couple weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, before that, we'll get a chance to talk to Harrison, see what's up with him. H, tell us what's good, man. What's going on in your world? Uh, nothing much, man. Just watching way too much sports. The World Cup has started now, so my schedule is ridiculously busy but i am looking forward to uh the holidays getting started here hopefully i snag up a couple black friday deals uh, and if i don't hopefully cyber monday will help me out uh looking forward to having a festive holiday season my friend uh and speaking of which uh before we get to the old basketball stuff and all that mm -hmm. all that nonsense uh i have two questions for you okay uh and i promise to judge you on your answers of course of course right? you you can do that anyway but busy is good one <laughs> Two, go ahead, extra questions. See what you got. Uh, all right. So Thanksgiving hits Thursday. When do when does Danny Green put up the Christmas tree? <laughs> well, so I said busy is good. Two for me was I'm glad that you're back home and be able to celebrate the holidays with your family. Yes. Um, I am. Now to answer your question, Christmas tree, I, somebody asked me this a little while ago too. It's been a while since I put one up because I've been moving what? so much. I've been moving so much, man. Last year, I lived in an apartment. We didn't have a lot of space, and we were traveling on the road. You had this enough year, space for a Christmas tree, bro. I've been, I was at your place last year. You had enough space for a Christmas tree. For a small one in the apartment, we had a small space for a small tree, which would have been taking up a lot of space for no reason. It would have been there for who knows how long. My thing is, I don't put a tree up unless I'm able to put gifts under it. So if I have a family, I don't have any kids yet. It's just me and wifey. We can put a small tree up if we're in a house. We were in a house last year. But if I'm with the family or if I'm at back home, then we put a tree up. I haven't put a tree up since I lived in San Antonio pretty much because oh, I was you there get in the, and no, no, family no. would come visit. And it was a big enough house where I could have space to put ornaments, decorations. We do put some decorations. I will put a little sock up here or there. But if I had to say, if I had to say when I did put the Christmas tree up, usually around the first or second week of December. Did you, when you put up the Christmas tree in your house in San Antonio, how did that make you feel? Did you feel festive about the season? I did, man. I'm a big Christmas light. I'm, I like Christmas lights. I'm a big Christmas lights guy. I, I like, you know, the houses with all the lights on them. I never made my house that crazy about them, but I would always try to put up lights on my house in San Antonio. But since then we moved so much, we were renting homes. We didn't decorate in Toronto. We didn't, in LA, we were renting a home. We didn't, and there's no snow. It doesn't get cold. And I don't know if we were on the road or not, but we didn't decorate too much there either in the house we did, but on the outside of the house. So yeah, we haven't really been as festive since we left San Antonio. So maybe this year we might be able to in Memphis, we are in a home. Now we have some space. We could put up a tree, uh, no gifts under it. Uh, but you know, as always, when we moved to a city, we went to Philly after the bubble and we were there in December. We just moved there. We weren't even in a house. We were in a hotel. So we didn't have a place to put a Christmas tree. Um, so it was always on the go, on the move, and it was no real time to celebrate or be festive. We're still getting settled here into Memphis. Once we get settled, hopefully it'll be before Christmas, we can then decorate. If we're here for a couple of years, guess what? Now it's home. You know, we can make it homey. We have family visit. We can put up Christmas lights. But until that happens, when you're in this league and this business, man, there's no real time for as much festive as you there's, would like to be. There's, there's always time to be in the holiday spirit, bruh. I'll wear a Christmas sweater. No, 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 no. Go to somebody else's house, eat some dinner, Christmas sweater, team event. 
No, 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 no. As as a as a as a single man who's about to put up a Christmas tree in his uh, uh one bedroom apartment, please put up the Christmas tree, bro. We all know it'll, why it'll, you're putting the Christmas tree up. You're trying to make it seem like you look good to the company you bring in the house. This isn't for you. I don't know who you're fooling. You're not fooling me, buddy. I have one in my house, so I don't need to impress anybody else. I'm good. So yes. But for you, I will think about it and consider it. And I'll try to organize and get settled sooner so I can put a Christmas tree up for when you visit. And maybe we'll leave it up longer because we know you're not coming here that soon. Maybe you are, but it's going to take you a while to get to Memphis. But yeah, usually I, when I put up Christmas ornaments or decorations, it stays up way longer than it should. I can't be I can't be in the holiday spirit by myself. I can't Absolutely just... not. Absolutely <laughs> not. We know your ulterior motives here, buddy. Not fooling me, guy. I, I I will put up the Christmas tree and I'll have no visitors for the month of December just to prove a point. Uh, okay, question. Okay, secondary question. Uh, and I and one of my friends uh, did this and I ridiculed her and I still do uh, because she still has her Christmas tree up from last year. So now it mm-hmm. is a permanent stay within her apartment at this point. Like I, she, I, I told her like, you gotta take it down at some point. And then it got to about June and it was still up. And so now it's just, it's just a part of the apartment in general. It's like the curtains. It's like, it's like the decor now. So it's, it's never leaving. And she doesn't yeah. have to redecorate again. Maybe she'll take it down after this Christmas, but she let that thing stay and go strong. Maybe it, everybody likes it so much that they, was it a real tree or was it a fake one? It's a fake one. It's a fake one. Oh, All right. Okay. So, the, so for the for those who need, not that you apparently you're not the most uh, festive guy because you're not putting up a tree. But I'm when, very oh, festive. Have <laughs> the time for it. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, when, according to Danny Green, when is too late to have the Christmas tree up? When does it have to go down? Before, before I would say before Valentine's Day, before the next holiday. New Year's is kind of the next holiday, but you can have it up after that. But before it gets starting, for sure, before it gets warmer. And I wouldn't say February is still cold, but like I feel like going into March, April. I mean, that's already that's sure. already pushing it. That's too late. I'm saying like you, I give you to like the month of January. It gives you two months at max. By February, it should be down. When do now we're just dedicating the whole segment to the holidays now when does when can you start listening to christmas carols when can that be on the playlist i want to say mid-december okay december December 15th ish 10 days beforehand speaking of mid-december my birthday is december 13th jed the homie uh, part of the podcast crew. His birthday is December 10th. As our birthday gift, Danny, all mm. I want, all I, I'm doing this on a request of Amjad too. Okay. On either December 10th or December 13th, when you're in the locker room with the Memphis Grizzlies, I want you to steal the ox cord and turn on Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. Don't ask nobody. Don't give them a heads up. Just as, pull the old man in the locker room move, the vet move. Give me the give me the phone. Well, give me the Bluetooth. I'm putting something on. And please record that moment. Because Mariah if they Carey. can't get if they can't get down with Mariah Carey in December over NBA Young Boy, you got a ways to go with your squad, my friend. 
Look, so the tough part about this is a lot of my teammates are very supportive and they watch our podcast. So they now know what's going to happen on December 13th. Ah, damn. And it's funny though. It is funny because, you know, as the last one released, it's interesting to me. It lets me know how old I am when people have no idea that I can dance. So when the last clip came out of me dancing, like, oh, you again? And then back in the day when you're a rookie, I was like, yeah, it's a whole college thing. People at this time in the day and age or this era has no idea of my college days of when I danced or when I was rookie and dance. Half of them don't even know I can dance because I've been hurt for the last year, not you know six, seven months. Um, and it's been a while since I've done any type of dancing, except for weddings, unless you're at weddings. But um, it just lets me know how old I am, but also shows how supportive our group is and how much they listen and tune in and watch my our podcast. But they're going to watch this one. They're going to know now when I play it on December 13th, they're going to be like, oh, we know who puts you up to. They're going to know exactly where <laughs> this is coming from. And they might get down with it. They're a festive crew, so we'll see. But I will, for you and Amjad, for the birthdays, I will play Mariah Carey on closer day to Christmas since yours, yours is closer to Christmas on the 13th on the aux court in now, the locker room. But no, but you, but, but you specifically have to do it when they're already listening to something else. Like you have, okay. to, you can't, yeah. like, I mean, they I'm never on the aux anyway. The, oh yeah, they yeah, be bumping they got, young boy, they be bumping doll for Gotti or yo, and I'm going to just take the phone and then plug in Mariah Carey and we're going to be listening to, <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. I'm going to see the reaction. I'll video record it. I'll have Trip Jaron Jackson Jr., He's great at getting the content and getting the videos of people's reaction. And I'll see him, have him video record or have one of the trainers video record their reaction. And we'll put it on the pod of what the, hopefully everybody will be clothed, but we'll put it on the pod of their reaction. of their yeah, 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 please, yeah, yes, please, yeah, please, yeah, please, yeah, please do it when everybody is clothed. But if they don't, if they don't get in the words of Will Smith, if they don't get jiggy with it, then um, there's, there's, there's no hope for the squad, man. If you can't bang with Mariah Carey in December, we got problems. Nothing. That's it. No response. I uh, did I phrase that I'm wrong? Thinking, no, oh. I, I I think you can bump with Mariah Carey. But yes, during Christmas. Yeah. If you, you, if you can't bump Mariah right, Carey. So if they can't bump Mariah Carey, you're saying something is wrong, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. If they if they if if they are opposed to Mariah Carey in 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 the month of December, particularly in that last two weeks, the last two weeks of December. Then you got to wait. They might have some. They might have some other Christmas songs. They could be festive in other nah, ways. Nah, so nah, I understand nah. that. But yes, they got to be able to be open minded and be able to bump that. But I don't know if they. I don't know if they will. We, we will see. This reaction is going to be. It's going to be gold. But <laughs> I, I would like to think that most of them would would not be happy that Mariah carries on the tunes. Can't wait for it. Uh, that should be fun. Uh, speaking of the Grizzlies, Howard Beck of Sports Illustrated has his uh, impressions so far of the Grizzlies. And uh, we wanted to discuss uh, Ben Simmons, who Danny just saw uh, on Sunday night. We do that in our next segment right here on Inside the Green Room. Be right back. Back like we left our car keys, Harrison Sanford, Danny sure. Green. This is Inside the Green Room. And we are happy to welcome in Howard Beck of Sports Illustrated. Howard went to the Memphis Grizzlies Brooklyn Nets game at the Barclays Center on Sunday night. We'll discuss uh, what he thought of Ben Simmons' mini resurgence that he's having here. Uh, but he was also able to go to the game for free. And, you know, if Taylor Swift decided to perform at Barclays Center, who knows, Danny, how much money uh, people would pay to go see her. We're seeing tickets going for 
20,000, $10,000. So before we get all to the, the, the nitty gritty basketball stuff, Howard, I'm asking you, if you had some money in your bank, a lot more than maybe <laughs> what you have now, who would you be willing to shell out some dollars for to see? It could be an artist. It could be a, a game that you want to go back in time and see. Just where would you want to be for one of the, for a moment and pay good money to be there? That oh, that was with accent. It, it could be anybody alive or dead, correct? It, yeah, anything, any moment okay. in an arena that you would want to pay good money to go see. Because they know Howard and I, Danny, and you, Danny, too. We usually go to arenas for free. Yeah, at least when it's an athletic event. Mm -hmm. Um, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. Good to see you all. Uh, Same. I, I love the fact that the premise of this question actually isn't just about resources. It's also about like uh, the ability to time travel. So if you're, <laughs> if you're first of all, furnishing me with like $20,000 to go see anything, and I get like, you know, Doc's DeLorean from Back to the Future. <laughs> like this is, this is phenomenal. I love this. Um, so let me start here, actually. We, me, my wife and daughter, we did see Taylor Swift uh, on her, I think it was the last tour she did in 2018 at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. Um, a rough experience because it poured on us for like three straight hours, but a very cool mm -hmm. experience because Taylor Swift and her crew just like they were on point on through every minute of the show, regardless. It didn't matter how hard it was raining. They didn't miss a beat. They were phenomenal. Like I like props to Taylor Swift and, and her whole production because that was those were tough circumstances. It was not a pleasant night out of MetLife Stadium and even harder getting out of MetLife Stadium and getting back to Brooklyn that night. Mm -hmm. But that's a whole other saga. I don't remember what we paid that night. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was 20,000 per ticket. I'm pretty sure my daughter's college fund would be uh, gone. Um, <laughs> we were going to we were hoping to go back. We were hoping to see her on this tour. But uh, the whole Ticketmaster snafu last week screwed us along with everybody else. So I don't I don't think we're seeing her this time. Uh, the most I actually have ever spent on tickets, I think, um, was I spent six fifty for a pair. So what is that? Three or two seventy five each? Three seventy five? What I can't I can't add right now. So like out of it, three twenty five <laughs> each. I cannot add three twenty five yeah. each uh, for us to see. Thanks, Jed. For us to see uh, Genesis at the Garden last year. Uh, obviously Genesis big uh, progressive rock band from the eighties. Um, and it was going to be their last ever tour. So I was happy to be able to see them like one last time. So that was cool. If I could spend any amount of money and bring my favorite band back because they broke up 11 years ago, it would be to see REM. If I could go back okay. in time, it would go be, I'd go back to see REM like in Athens, Georgia, when they first started and we're just like a cool college band. So that would be something. And if I'm going to move this to the sports realm, I'm going all the way back to 1982 so I can see Joe Montana hit Dwight Clark with the catch, which Ooh. is a seminal moment in my sports life. So, wow. Very good call. Very Great good choices. call. Yeah. Howard. My, Danny, mine is a Super Bowl one too, but I'll let you go. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Howard, thanks again for joining us, man. It's always good to see you. Long time old friend. I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks, but it's good to have you. Uh, for me, this is a very tough question. Well, actually, it's not too tough because it's not one game. There's so many games. Uh, but if I have to choose an artist for one, I would love to see Michael Jackson perform live. Um, I was a big Michael Jackson fan when I was younger. Um, I've seen his you know, DVDs of how the concerts were, people passing out and fainting. And of course, his music still lives on today as one of the top, as the top, you know, uh, he's the, the king of pop um, or whatever you want to call him. 
He's the king of a lot of things. But um, if it came down to sports, I would love to travel back in time and actually see, of course, Michael Jordan play. I just don't know which finals I would like to see him play in. Uh, might have been the Seattle Sonics finals. or Why? I, I, that's just one I remember as a kid vividly, remember, remembering that one and one of the Utah finals. Um, so, yeah, those probably – it's hard to pick one game, but I would love to see Mike live and in the finals and one of those final, like one of those finals games. I can't pick any particular one just right now, but I just want to see, I just want to, would love to be at one of those games. If, if you pick the jazz one, you, it would have to be game six in, in Salt Lake city, right? The the game? Yeah. 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 Oh, not, sure not the, the flu game. game. The, 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 push, the, the quote unquote push off over Byron Russell. That has to be the one. Was he not sick that game? That wasn't the, was that also the, that wasn't the flu game, was it? No. No. Okay. So, no, bro. I'm mistaken. I'm mistaken. So, yes, that one and the flu game. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I, that's I would a have... good call. Any, any Michael Jordan game, I think, is a good call. And I only got to see two live myself. My first year covering the Lakers in 97 98 was, of course, Michael's last season with the Bulls. So, the only times I saw him play live were the two times he played against Kobe and the Lakers that season. Cool. So, and I was working, right? So it's not quite the same as going Being as a, a fan. fan. On the other hand, back then we got pretty good seats in the media. So I was like sitting courtside baseline and got an up close view. So that was pretty wow. Yeah. HV, yeah, what's your game? I assume, Danny, you you wanted to go back to that Sonics Bulls series because you wanted to see Gary Payton yes. guard Michael Jordan, but I was you know, a George GP Cole, fan as George, well. George, George Cole, Cole didn't decide to do that till game four until it was too late. So <laughs> I was that. a big GP fan, a big Sean Kemp fan, but that series I remember as a as a child, as a kid watching it and remember how intense it kind of was. Uh, but of course, I was a big Mike fan. But any of those games that you can choose from, he, he was in the finals one six times. There's a lot of games and even games outside of finals you can choose from. We're waiting to hear your pick now of you, sports and artists. There's no, there's, there's, there's no artist. I know Danny, you're going to be upset at me. I don't have an artist that I, I don't, I, Howard, I'm weird like that. I don't have an artist that I routinely listen to or desire you to grow go up see. On? Nobody you grew up on that you no, watched when you were younger? There's no singular artist that's going to make me pay money to go see them. I will go see a compilation. A I will go on behalf of a friend or a date. I will never send my own money just to go by myself. I'm sorry. Just, just yeah, but we just created like a twenty. We just created like a twenty thousand dollar pot and time travel. Like you're not <laughs> even having to really spend the money. You're like you. Yeah, you. It's just I don't know, Howard. I think it's I blame I blame people like you, Howard. I don't really listen to music too much. I listen to podcasts. So that's <laughs> that's it. Like I listen to music when I go out and I have adult beverages, but I don't. I, I for whatever reason I just don't have the desire you don't to even, go see people perform music live. It's crazy. Right, wait, when I you know. were growing up, you didn't have like one act, one band, one artist, whatever that you just like, you had to go get their album every time they had something new come out. There was nobody yeah. like, oh, this song comes on the radio. This is the one I'm turning up. G-Unit. I change favorite artists. Like I change clothes. Every day was some, something different. G-Unit, Dipset, Nas. No, none, no. Making none, artists? No. no. I'll, go, I'll go to a festival where a grouping of all of my quote unquote favorite artists are performing, but I won't go to see one singular act. I know. Interesting. Different strokes. And the the sports and the sports one in sports. Okay. I got two. I got two. I would go back and I would uh, go back to the David Tyree helmet catch when they beat the Patriots, the undefeated Patriots. I'm a giants fan. That was 
and, and that was amazing to have uh to see I had actually had I was in college at the time I think I had a little house party uh to watch <laughs> that game a great time the only other place I'd rather be is in the stadium and then number two and this it has nothing to do with a team winning a championship but I could vividly remember the moment uh in my childhood so I would like to be in the arena for it when Larry Johnson hit the four-point play and he threw up the L that was it for me I remember it like it was yesterday uh so those would be those would be those would be my two you mean the fake um, continuation that one yeah hey, hey uh yes that 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 play <laughs> it was uh it was quite 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 the time I, I remember it like it was yesterday uh with that being said uh there are going to be some people who are going to pay good money on Tuesday uh to see Ben Simmons play at the Wells Fargo Center as he's finally in uniform going against his former team uh we'll talk about Danny's experiences uh, with Ben Simmons while he was in Philadelphia in just a moment. But Howard, uh, you're in New York. You get to see the Brooklyn Nets pretty often. Uh, how would you evaluate Ben Simmons' tenure as a Brooklyn Net so far this season? Well, it's interesting. Danny and I, of course, talked about this on my podcast, The Crossover, a few weeks back. And at that time, um, you guys had just played them the, for the first time. Um, and I was wondering, Danny, you're seeing him up close. What are you seeing? And I felt like, you know... It was a pretty accurate assessment at that moment from Danny and I think from others around the league. What we were seeing early on was Ben Simmons just wasn't aggressive. He didn't look comfortable. And whether that was physical, mental, emotional, situational, playing with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, whatever it was, a year and a half of rust, something just felt off. And I think a lot of people started to wonder, understandably, like, okay, is this just who he's going to be now? Can he find that other guy again? Is is the All NBA version of Ben Simmons still there? And um, I don't. Up until like the last several days, it's it, it, that was like an open question. Lately, especially the game against your Grizzlies, Danny. Uh, mm-hmm. Suddenly, Ben Simmons is looking pretty damn good and a lot more like himself. And it's not just that the numbers are there, right? You can look at the box score and say, "Oh, yeah, he's you know scored twenty plus points and you know flirting with triple doubles or you know whatever." It's that he's actually trying to score he's he's going hard to the hoop again he's looking he's a, he's a being aggressive and I don't know like when when he was asked after the game Sunday night about what is starting to feel more comfortable he was pretty vague about it um so I don't know maybe he doesn't even know or maybe he just want to talk about it but again is it because physically he feels better is it because he's just settled in and started to feel comfortable in a new environment now, the Sixers were his only team in his career up until this and he didn't play last season at all um with the nets he was he was here in brooklyn but he wasn't playing so it's great to see and i will say this too just as a final point on this he just seemed relaxed even like joking with the media when they were saying so ben tuesday night and he's like what what's is something special about tuesday like he's he's <laughs> he's comfortable enough to kind of like have some fun with it which i think is a really good sign of just like you know he's he's fine he's he's fine he's ready to go do this and where I was skeptical last season about the whole Ben Simmons, it's important for him to go, even though he's going to be in street clothes. It kind of actually, I think now helps. Like he was already there. He got heckled that night. I was at that game. He got heckled that night by fans who were just, you know, yelling stuff to him during the game, but even pregame because he was rebounding for Patty Mills and they were just shoot it, Ben, shoot it, all this. And he's so now like there's nothing, nothing can possibly shock him 
when they go to, to, to Philly now, but he does have to perform and, and every eye will be on him at all times. I, I was, <laughs> I would pay good money to see that game too. That ticket. I would like, I would definitely want to go see one. that game. I agree with uh, everything Howard has had to say. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting and it's going to be, I, I honestly, if you would have told me last year that oh, Ben's going to, I didn't think he'd ever play in Philly again. Like even as an opposing I thought there'd be routes where he would take to not play there or be hurt or injured or take a rest day. Um, so I was shocked to even him show up and be in street clothes. And also, you know, this game coming up, even though he's playing more comfortably and the Sixers are shorthanded. So that kind of gives him a little bit more level with Joel being out. I think, I don't know if Joel's going to play that game or not. I know Tyrese is out for a little while. James out. is out for, James is out for a little bit. So they have a lot of guys out right now. Um, but I'd still pay top dollar to see that game. It'd be interesting, but he is looking more comfortable. He is a lot more assertive. Um, and he's looking more like himself. Maybe he said his back is maybe feeling a lot better than what it was, but I think he's just, he's got more encouragement and he's got more confident from his teammates, from KD and in that system. So um, I'm sure he's building off that. I mean, as a player, as a competitor, as a, as a, as a fan, you everybody wants to see guys like that do, do okay or do well. You never want to see a player kind of be shattered by something, you know, something small well, to us. It may seem small, but mental health is a big thing and you never want to see anybody kind of deteriorate because of that when they have all the potential in the world and have all talent in the world to be something special. Uh, so to see him back to himself, I think a lot of people are, are happy about that. The league, you know, really needs it and wants, wants it and want all their players healthy and playing their, their best. Um, so that's a good thing, but I'm, I don't think Philly's happy about it. So we, we will see um, how it goes when he gets there. Um, I know that they had a lot of frustrations with him and they're going to show it. But uh, it's a, I said I think it's a game to where I wouldn't say he got, he it's to his advantage where um, then he's not playing a full force team in Philly. I know Joel would love to be out there on that floor. Who knows what kind of game that would be or battle that'd be if he had a matchup with Ben or a, a mismatch or a, a cross match. Um, so James is not playing. Tyrese is there. I don't know what Tobias is going to be if he's going to be playing or not. They've had some guys in and out. Um, but yeah, this is going to be the best intro he could have coming into Philly, the best game that he could probably play against that, that team. Yeah, for sure. I, I almost tweeted out and this is, but I definitely feel for sure all the people, especially the Philadelphia 76ers fans who got their, their jokes off on Ben Simmons for must've been what a year, year and a half. Um, all like the internet humor about Ben Simmons, it's going to get, it's going to get shut down pretty quick if he's able to perform, uh, if he continues to perform the way he is, because I think he fits in very well with the Brooklyn Nets as long as he actually gets the guys to he can play with. Like, uh, I watched last night how excited he was dropping dimes to Steph, Seth Curry and Yuta Watanabe and, uh, and Joe Harris. I think it fits him pretty well, Danny, and uh, I think... The, the era of making fun of Ben Simmons, I think is going to come, you know, come to an end here because even with Phil, even with Brooklyn Nets, he's not asked to do as much as he was in Philadelphia um, mm -hmm. from a scoring standpoint, at least. And I think it's good. It's an environment where he could be comfortable as a basketball player. Um, sure. And obviously there's still a lot of other stuff going on, but I don't think even if Ben acclimated better with the Philadelphia fans, I don't think he was ever going to, feel comfortable as a basketball player in Philadelphia because of just the way the offense is and how Joel is such a big presence in the offense and Ben Simmons skill set. It's a, it was a very difficult thing for him. I would imagine to try and find your, his freedom or his comfortability 
uh, on the team. And with that being said, Danny, you mentioned uh, how the Philadelphia fans uh, treated Ben Simmons. Uh, if mm-hmm. we can pull back the curtain a little bit, um, mm-hmm. can you tell me, uh, in the height of the Ben Simmons catastrophe, and I'll label it as a catastrophe, how things yeah. kind of ended there, what were your your emotions or feelings towards Ben Simmons? Um, well, back to your point, let's start with that first. Before I get into that, I do think that the the making fun of Ben will be quiet. I don't know if it ever comes to an end, especially in Philly. I think any chance they get, nobody's ever perfect. People are going to make mistakes. People are going to have bad games. And any chance that they get when he does have those uh, mishaps or those games, they're going to be on him. And to be fair, Philly is like that with everybody, not just with Ben, uh, but everybody that comes through that building or plays in that building or plays for that team, they hold you to a standard. And they're going to heckle you. They're going to criticize you. They're going to boo you when you're not playing well or performing, but when you're doing well, they're going to love you. And they're going to show you if you're working hard and and doing the blue collar work, uh, they're going to embrace you. Um, But in the height of it, I said, knowing that because I said, I was uh, my first year playing, he's the main, one of the main reasons why I came back and resigned with Philly. I had a great performance uh, the year prior and I resigned with them thinking that I was had a career high in three-point attempts, if I'm not mistaken. I was getting a lot of good looks, shot it pretty well from the perimeter. I didn't have to be the main defender all every night on the ball. I had him him, him guard the main guy, me being a second primary defender, and we could switch off type of situation. Um, so I, I enjoyed playing with him. And when he made his decision to not play, I think it affected me as well as Tobias and some others the most. So it was very frustrating. Um, I think the more frustrating part was the fact that we were kind of on the outs. He didn't really communicate with us as much of what was going on. And for us, we were just like, you know, we're not a part of the front office. We're not a part of the guys that's trying to trade you. This we're, we're just your teammates. We're guys that we thought you considered brothers or friends and would still communicate with us. I think he felt he had to be a certain way toward us in order for himself to, you know, keep that mindset to be traded or to like, I guess, force his way out, if, if I'm not mistaken. But yes, there was a lot of frustration. Um, there was a lot of miscommunication. And then at a point there was, you know, a, a weird air of if we were even cool or friends or not. So we didn't know. Um, obviously, at this point, we're both not in Philly. We speak, we say hello um, and we're, we're fine. And I, said, I think he's in a better mental space. So I didn't know what he's going through during that time. We try to support him as much as we can. But when somebody doesn't accept your support or doesn't reach out or communicate or or even acknowledge when you reach out to them, um, it, it gets very frustrating. So yes, during that time it was it was frustrating, not just as a as a you know on a personal level, but also on the court. It was tough, you know, not playing with them, not having them there uh, on the court in the locker room, on the defensive end of the floor, rebounding and offensive end to be able to facilitate the offense, but also not be able to speak to him. You see him, you know, he's kind of in his own zone or own world, and we didn't see him that often. Um, so you know, and you hear all the stuff in the media and everybody saying this and another, and you know, this is a selfish act, but. You know, we tried to be there as much as we could support him ment- mentally, and we didn't know exactly what he was going through, but it, said it was frustrating just not be able to get that same co- or any type of communication back. I, I, and Howard, you could, you could jump in here too whenever you feel like it. I wonder, Danny, did, was he right for wanting to get out of, in light of what the role that now he gets to play in Brooklyn versus mm-hmm. what he had to do in Philadelphia or the expectations for him in Philadelphia. Did he do the right thing? Holding out, not playing X, Y, and all those things? I mean, I'm not here to judge or say anybody's right or wrong for when, wanting out of somewhere or being somewhere else. You're not happy. Whether it's on the court or off the court, mentally or physically, 
I just think there's a way of going about it. And I think the way he went about it, I think a lot of people can agree it wasn't the best way. I wouldn't say right or wrong. I think there's just other routes. And I think he probably would think that as well. Um, she probably would agree. Maybe not. But he, he, I would think he would agree there was a better way of, of uh, approaching certain things or a better way of handling or, or trying to uh, professionally, you know, do something on a, on a different level. Um, and sometimes you may have to force your hand and do something differently. And I don't know, said I wasn't in those talks. I wasn't in an internal uh, communication of the front office and his agent. Um, so yeah, maybe that's the way he felt he needed to, but I think a lot of people, in my opinion, I think would agree that, um, yeah, he could have handled it differently. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I just think there are better ways to do things. I also wonder here too, uh, Howard, from a standpoint of covering uh, Ben Simmons and him throwing out the, or him using or explaining that mental health was a part of the reason uh, of why he couldn't return to Philadelphia. How did you, how did you handle that as a journalist? How do you think teams have handled that with Ben Simmons and maybe some of the ramifications that might come up now in the, in the CBA when that is time to be discussed? Yeah, and the CBA is being discussed, you know, almost literally as we speak. And I don't know what uh, new wrinkles or um, protections or considerations will end up in the new CBA. I mean, from the league standpoint, you know, from the player standpoint, it's obvious. The union is going to want that players to be supported, protected. And if there's a mental health issue, it should be handled a certain way professionally. Um, privately, all the things that a union would want to advocate for. But from a league standpoint, if you think about a variety of situations over the last couple of years, and it's, I feel a little uh, queasy about throwing Ben Simmons into this because of the mental health aspect, but teams are concerned. And I think the league is concerned about the number of different ways in which guys have been paid not to play over the last several years. That could be the John Wall situation, which was, I guess, sort of mutual. Um, it could be the Ben Simmons situation. It could be Kyrie and refusing to be vaccinated. And so he wasn't playing. Um, there are various other versions of this, but there is, and then you could throw load management into, into this as well. And how long should you have to come back from an injury? And when you do come back, how often should you be playing? I mean, all you can think of any players that might fit these descriptions. Like there's a lot of different versions of this and I'm not saying right or wrong. You asked, you know, how is it going to factor into the CBA as part of your question? I think the, the league side of this is going to be, listen, we need to be protected. We're, we're paying guys a lot of money to perform. Fans are paying a lot of money for tickets, maybe not $20,000 Taylor Swift level, but they're paying <laughs> a lot of money for tickets to come see their favorite players. And if they're not there and possibly for not an entire season, we'll, you know, it, it doesn't look good for the league. It doesn't look good for the way that you um, provide for the fan base. It's, it's a problem broadly in terms of like the way, you know, I think we had to handle it from a media side. Um, look, I, I, I try to start from a standpoint of if a guy has, you know, mental health concerns, everybody needs to respect that. Of course, I think the difficulty in the Ben Simmons case, which is different than some other ones that we've seen in sports, is that it was very opaque. We really didn't know what was going on. And the order of events was uh, made it more complicated to immediately go to a place of like, oh, okay, well, we should all just understand and have sympathy because the way it unfolded was, you know, uh, sorry to bring back bad memories, Danny, but you know, you guys mm -hmm. losing the playoffs. Ben passes up the, the shot under the, under the hoop, passes up, you know, passes up an, an open dunk, basically. Um, ben gets 
kind of criticized by Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers. Ben feels like he's, you know, seemingly been betrayed, whatever. And then months later, there's a trade demand. And the trade demand does not end up in an actual trade. And then camp starts. And now it's, now it's a question of, is he showing up? And he is showing up. Now he's going to practice, whatever. And somewhere in the midst of all that, and I don't have the whole timeline in front of me, but somewhere in the midst of all that, it was, oh, no, no, he's got some mental health concerns. He's not, they didn't even say mental health. I think the way it was framed, and it was all, of course, anonymous sources at that time, I think it was not mentally ready to play. And listen, we live in cynical times in a cynical world, and I work in a cynical business. When someone said, I'm just not mentally ready to play, and it's, but this is like months after a trade demand that wasn't fulfilled, it kind of sounds like you just don't want to play because you didn't get traded and you wanted to be traded and you're, and you're bitter at the organization. That's what it sounds like. And so it's not that I don't believe that he had legitimate mental health concerns, uh, under, you know, just broadly speaking, but we don't know anything about what's really happening as media or as fans in this case. And because of the way that this unfolded, I just think it was it was difficult. So I, you know, I, I don't think we should be too hard on ourselves as the public when we don't really know enough to know to give them the benefit of the doubt. And if somebody's going to come back and say, well, somebody, as soon as someone says mental health, you immediately should give them benefit of the doubt. Yes, in my personal life, I absolutely would do that. Probably in my professional life with people I know really well, I would do that. But that's not the reality of, of the sports world. And, and I understand, like, this is part of the issue we all deal with, um, that we've spent, you know, decades of this, this hyper macho culture that we all need to adjust. But when it's when contractual issues are already in play, when team dynamics are already in play, and then the mental health thing comes in afterward, it does sound like, again, we live in cynical times, it does sound like that was being deployed for strategic purposes. And again, I, I do not ever want to be dismissive of somebody's real mental health issues. And I'm not saying Ben Simmons didn't have them. The way this unfolded fed into a natural cynicism that we all have. All that said, what we have heard since then, and I do want to make sure to, to note this, when Ben Simmons was on uh, JJ Reddick's podcast a uh, couple months ago, um, and maybe some other times he's talked since then. I can't remember exactly, but I think it was mostly on JJ's podcast. It seemed very clear to me that like, yeah, he was going through some stuff. And maybe the team stuff also fed into that. And maybe all of that combined to make him feel like, not only can I not play here and need to be traded, but I can't play here at all, even while waiting for a trade. I don't know how to assess that. None of us are psychiatrists, I don't think. Um, hmm. But it's, 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 it's hard. And so you want to give... Uh, you want to be gracious about it. You want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time in the world of sports, it's, it, it, it can be very uh, cutthroat the way that negotiations happen, the way trades are forced, a lot of other stuff. So it, it, it all gets a little bit cloudy, I think, as a result. That's my, that's my honest answer. Yeah, for sure. The, the Ben Simmons, you know, the, the saga that surrounded him is definitely, as you alluded to, how it could, can be hard to kind of cover because there are so many different uh layers to it and you obviously you want to be sensitive to uh, a number of issues uh i think uh the general public will be disappointed when joel Embiid and ben simmons uh go don't go head to head on tuesday night uh but there were some moments that they did go head to head in practice danny uh do you just mm -hmm. do you remember uh the vibe from joel 
when this whole thing took place with Ben Simmons last year? Do you have any candid memories of talking to Joel or watching Joel during this during this? For period? sure. I mean, Joel usually stays to himself. Most time he does. He's still, even during that time, um, he's very quiet. He kind of does his own thing. He doesn't try to, you know, like mess with you know talking to the front office or we need to trade do we need to do this he, he so he says anyway but I know they inform him what's going on decisions um from my understanding he doesn't like to be in those making decision type of conversations um so he heard about it you know we we all tried to rally together to try to bring him back uh we tried uh on a couple of occasions at a certain point I think most of us kind of gave up on it and, you know, we're frustrated. I'm sure he was frustrated. And then he came into camp and practice. I know there was a moment or there was there was for sure one moment where we were going through a drill and um, there was a switch that happened where they were Ben was guarding him in the post. And I had the ball, actually. <laughs> I don't know if I spoke about this. I don't know if it no, was. I, I, I purposely asked you because I wanted to hear the story. on. on and uh, I had an opportunity to give Joel the ball against Ben and for the sake of keeping the energy well, I swung the ball across the floor away from that matchup because I don't know what Joel, because Joel's known to have some chippy plays in him, um, as you've seen throughout his career. Um, he's not the one to to back down anything or to hide his feelings or emotions. And I know there was probably some frustration with him and who knows how it would have came out during that play. Um, but I thought it was smarter and and safer for us as a group to try to keep, if we were trying to bring him back, to move the ball to the other side of the floor. Um, but had I thrown that ball into Joel and Ben and Joel had matched up, I I, I really wish I, I I would at this point now wish I threw, I've thrown the ball in and to see. Thank you. You should have. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. And yep, we missed out on a moment. But you know. Uh, you know, we live and we learn, man. I, I thought, you know, I thought I was doing something good for the team, which it might have been something good for the team, but I thought, like, you know, Ben was kind of coming around, turning the corner, maybe feeding into the vibe of being around us again and wanting to be in a locker room, and it kind of changed his mind, but he didn't. And, um, you know, things went a totally different route after that. I, I, I want to get how... keeping the peace, you know. <laughs> I, I, you know I, I, I'm supposed to be the glue guy here, Howard, so I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to keep everything... Yeah. You know, part of my job, not only to just you know do my role on the court, but in the locker room, you know, and try to be the glue, try to police and keep everybody together on the same page and everything cordial. And um, as a that type of glue guy leader of keeping things cordial, I didn't think it was smart to have that mismatch, that matchup go down and practice where there's no cameras around. All right. So as, did as Joel a, say anything afterward, though? Like, did Joel say, hey, how come you didn't throw it to me in the post when I could have, like, dunked on Ben? He, he said something, but... We will not discuss what he said. Okay. <laughs> he said something. He said something. I'm not going to say that whether or not he wanted the ball really badly or if he didn't want the ball or if he thought I made the smart right. play or the right play or if I made a dumb play. But he did He did say something. He, yeah, he, want, he wanted the ball. I will say, Danny, as a member... When does Joel not want the ball? Joel wants, always wants the ball, mind you. But in this particular situation, I'm sure people can assume whether or not if he wanted the ball or not and how badly he wanted the ball, so... All right, last last question before I get Howard's impressions on the, the Memphis Grizzlies, your current team. Okay. Was that actually a cell phone in his sweatpants? I believe so. I think it was. I mean, he came in. 
Um, you know, he, he wasn't really interested. It's mentally he wasn't interested in, in being there. I, I suppose he had a conversation with Doc. We had spoke to Doc before. He, Doc was trying to figure out how he wanted to integrate him into the practice and into the lineup. And, you know, he wanted to protect us and be safe. We thought that was smart, you know, take it step by step, see where his energy was. We allow him to take the floor and speak if he wants to speak. If he has nothing to say, cool. Um, his energy was he, he really didn't have much to say. Um, he went about his business. And when he could jump in toward the end or in certain rotational defensive drills, he did. But you could tell he kind of didn't want to – he wasn't mentally there. He had uh, sweats on. He had a phone in his pocket. I don't know if he had any jewelry on or long sleeve, but it's, I don't know if this is normal, usual practice gear. He, even though he does practice with usually more like slimmer fit clothing, probably tighter, you know, maybe tighter sweats or shorts, um, but usually doesn't have a phone in his pocket. So, you know, that I think I alluded to that, you know, he wasn't going to jump in practice. When he did jump in, I think a lot of us were shocked. Um, but, you know, it was a brief jump in and, you know, be a part of the drill for half a second. And then he got out and you know, the media just so happened to be there to kept, catch the one small clip of it. Um, but, yeah, he did that. I think that for a couple of days and I think the third days when the, he got thrown out of practice uh, because he didn't no longer want to jump into the drill. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that will probably after Tuesday, I think the the, the energy around Ben will, will probably be over. Obviously, you will still be waiting for the yeah. the Joel Embiid Ben Simmons matchup whenever that takes place and uh, I just does. hope I just hope that uh Tobias Harris or Tyrese Maxey Shake Milton whoever's handling the ball if there's a if there's a cross match in the post and Ben Simmons is guarding Joel please give <laughs> jo- give Joel the ball that's all that's all we that's all we want that's all we want uh, what else we want to have, and I'm sure maybe you wanted it on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening rather yet, was the Memphis Grizzlies to be in full tilt. I, am, I for one, am waiting to see them uh, at full tilt as well, obviously with Danny there as well. Uh, but you, I'm sure you've watched them throughout the course of the season. Uh, where do you think they stack up in the West and what have been your impressions so far of uh, how they've played uh, in this in this season? Yeah, how much am I going to have to spend and how much time travel do I have to do to actually see John Morant play live? Because I don't <laughs> think I've seen him play yet uh, because like, he's only been in the league a couple of years. We had COVID and everything else, right? Like, so I, I'm pretty sure I have not seen a John Morant game live yet. So, bad luck, yeah. man. Bad luck. I think it's yeah. just bad luck. It seems like he's to be, he's played for a good amount of games. He just seems to be injured, I think, the times that you're around, which is. Yeah, it's just the timing, right? Um but also, I mean, listen, I, the one thing I worry about for, for your young teammate there, Danny, is like he does play a breakneck style, right? He is fearless. He goes in among the trees. He finishes at all kinds of crazy angles. He's like one of those guys that's like early Iverson or early Dwayne Wade where he's just always on the floor. He's always getting back up. Always looks like he like his, his, he just like might have snapped his ankle. Nope, he's fine. He's dunking over guys again five minutes later, right? It's, and the, like, But that I'm sure that shit takes a toll. And so – um, but he's he's awesome. He's one of my favorite guys to watch play. And I think you guys have I haven't like gone like roster by roster, but it's got to be the best young core in the league. If we're like weighing both talents and age under whatever, wherever you want to make the cutoff in the mid 20s under 25. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, nah, it's a phenomenal team. Um, and Efronov's done a great job putting it together. I, when you were on my pod, Danny, I, I said this outright. I think I was uh, uh, candid about this, Frank, about this, that I thought the Grizzlies might've overachieved a little bit last season for a young team that won that many games 
uh, made that big of a leap. And I worried about a little bit of regression this season. The interesting thing is, I think the Grizzlies have regressed a little bit in a couple of areas. Um, but because the West is just so um, strange this season, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want, like, I guess parody is the word for it, but like, the, I was just noting this earlier. The Warriors, I think, uh, I think they've fallen to eight and ten while we've been discussing uh, this or been on this pod. But they were eight and nine at the, at the time that put them like three and a half out of first. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they're like two games out of sixth or whatever. Like that's how tight things are. No one has distinguished themselves. No one's running away with this thing. Um, I don't think the Suns scare anybody right now, though they're very good. You know, the Mavericks are fine. The Nuggets are good, but not quite as good as we thought they'd be. The Clippers are not as good as we thought they'd be. Kawhi Leonard's barely playing. Paul George is now hurt. The Warriors are all screwed up. Um, like there's like it's 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 anybody's race right now in the West. So that's the good news. Um, Grizzlies being this. I was looking this up earlier. The Grizzlies are only 13th in three point percentage, which kind of shocked me and only 11th and three point makes which like that's that's um you know you're on the top tier but like as great a three-point shooting as you guys have i would have thought the grizzlies would actually rank a little higher in both three-pointers and and uh accuracy um 12th in offensive efficiency that's down from fourth last season 22nd in defense down from six last season so the defense statistically at least in the early part of the season here has not been quite as stout maybe getting healthy uh, will help that getting Jaron Jackson Jr. back out there on a, a regular basis will help that. So I, nothing that would alarm me. Um, and then the only other thing that stood out four and six against teams that are 500 or better right now for you guys. Um, and so that's like, that's, that's an interesting one. Like the most of the wins have come against the the lower ranked teams. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll see. Like, I, I think, the Grizzlies definitely took some teams by surprise last season and just played their asses off. And you can, as Danny will attest, you can win a lot of games just by playing harder than, than another team, even if they are more talented or more experienced, because nobody wants to, to give it 150% every night in the middle of January. Um, but you can't, you can't do that two, three seasons in a row. Like, you know, so that that'll catch up. I agree, Howard. Um, I think that because, said they they did so well last year I, I think it'd be very hard to reciprocate that or to match that or to do said however you want to put it to even uh exceed that I don't think that I didn't I think it'd be too hard but when I look at the west like you said I thought the Clippers would be a little bit better I thought Denver would be a little better uh Portland is is doing well um Utah is doing well um said nobody's scared of Phoenix and with the injuries that we do have, a lot of those numbers you put out there because of Jaron being out, Desmond Bain being out some, Ja being out some, um, I I think that we as a group have a really good shot to do the same, if not better than last year. Um, because of said so that young core, the, the group that we have, the three-point percentage, uh, I think once, once Jaron comes back, when I get a chance to get healthy, I think we'll get a chance to get some more threes up and hopefully at, at a better clip, at a better percentage. Um, but it's because the West is so weird and the league is so weird, but especially the West, that they have a really good opportunity. We have a really good opportunity to uh, exceed that or even match what we did last, last uh, what they did last year. So, um, yeah, I agree on all parts of those. But it's going to be interesting. We'll see who stays healthy. We'll see who gets back healthier faster. We'll see um, who changes what, who uh, 
make some adjustments in terms of whether it's you know fast break defense or three point percentage. Um, but I think once we get healthy, I think we're going to be a, a pretty good, you know, I'm, I'm going to say target. We, have, we already have a target on the back from last year. People are listening, but we're going to be a pretty good ball club and, and going to be, I would say, in the top, not say leading the race, but we'll be in the front of the race uh, when things get back to normal. Yep. Uh, I'm looking forward to whenever that happens, whenever uh, yeah, the team does get back to normal. Because, And if you look throughout the league too, guys, there are just a number of teams with a litany of injury. Just a very weird start to the season uh, from that aspect for sure. Uh, so we'll see how it pans out. Obviously, Zaire Williams will be a part of the team as well. So uh, I think you have a chance there. But Howard, my main concern with the Grizzlies, I, and, I, and maybe we'll go one big picture question. Can they actually, in your opinion, win the whole thing? And as much as I want Danny to win another one, I don't know if they have the typical isolation two-way wing that could seal the deal um, within this year. Uh, obviously you were talking about the Kawhi Leonard types, the Giannis types, the Jason Tatum types. And I think not having that when the game slows down, obviously Grizzlies score very well and fast in transition and, you know, up-tempo offense. When the game slows down, I'm, I don't, I, I, I hope, I hope I'm wrong, but I think, I don't think they have that, that, that guy. And I think that's guy, the absence of that guy is going to be critical to them potentially pulling it off. I think that's fair. I think if Jaw keeps shooting 39% from three, um, that could help matters because he's already unguardable off the dribble. And now if you've got to give him room to shoot, I mean, you do have to give him room to, uh, to, to hopefully cut off his driving lanes. And now if you're giving him space and he's going to be drilling three pointers at close to 40%, suddenly he's truly, truly unguardable. Right. But yeah, he's a smaller player. It's not, you know, one of these, apex predator wings as, as folks like to say with you know Kevin Durant, Kawhi, LeBron um but you know the Warriors won a couple of championships without Kevin Durant and you know Steph is a is a smaller uh player by NBA standards who has done amazing things and he's he's a different kind of guard than Ja their games are dramatically different their makeups are dramatically different um but you you know in this era of the NBA you don't necessarily have to have size. Um, you just need to, you just need one surefire way to create space and an open shot, a good shot. Uh, and maybe it's for somebody else. And when you got so many great shooters around you, as Ja does, hopefully Danny Green being back among them sometime soon, then that's 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 a good plan, right? But you're right. Like we you want the one guy who just can manufacture something out of thin air. And I think that, like, if I look at the West right now, because things are as goofy as they are, it'll settle down, right? Um, and I'm curious to see if Portland sustains this. I'm curious to see if Utah sustains this. I'm curious to see if the Warriors find themselves or fix their bench uh, because they could vault right back into it. I'm curious to see if the Clippers stay healthy long enough to, to be as good as we all thought they were going to be. But as uncertain as all that is right now, yeah, the Grizzlies could – make a deep run, could go to the conference finals, could maybe even get to the finals. As a young team, I still kind of hold back a little bit. That's the general rule that, that you know, is in play in the NBA. Youth doesn't often win. But if they end up in the finals against the Celtics or Bucks, they're going to be underdogs. Like, that's a weird thing to, to like, drum, like, declare here in November when June is so <laughs> far off and a thousand things will happen between now and then. 
But if we're projecting forward, the Grizzlies under, against the Bucks or Celtics are the underdog. There's no question. Some of that's experience. Some of that size at key positions. Um, I, I don't envy Danny and, and his friends trying to deal with uh, Jalen and Jason and Marcus all, all at the same time. Um, or if it's, if it's the Bucks, uh, a healthy Chris Middleton and, and Giannis, those are going to be tough assignments. Um, and I, I, but you know, we're, we're talking way far ahead here, but like, I, I do think there's a scenario where the Grizzlies could get there this season. My general view would be like, ah, they're young. Let's give them a little time. Yep, for sure. Uh, some team, somebody who would like to get back into uh, the winner's circle, uh, but the team has not looked the same uh, for about the past two years or so. Uh, Anthony Davis, he has kind of, looks like he's kind of turned back the clock here. Uh, Danny, what are your, your takes on this rejuvenation uh, that we've seen from Anthony Davis over the past couple of weeks or so? Yeah, he's oh, looking the past, Let's say the past week. Past week or so, yeah, the last three, three or four games or so. Um, he's starting to look more like himself. He's more active. Uh, he's being a leader out there, and that's what he needs to do, especially with Braun being out. Uh, Russ is still coming off the bench. I think they're finally finding their rhythm. But this is what AD is very capable of, and that's what they brought him in there for to do. You know, that's what they brought him there. Um, you know, he's, he's. I think the big part of it is that he's, it looks like he's moving better uh, health-wise. His body seems to be okay and holding up. Um, once he's getting that and he's finding his rhythm and finding his shot, I'm sure he's been in the gym and, and focused on the small details. Uh, heard from a close friend of mine that I work with here and there, uh, my guy Lethal. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of those things help build confidence, help build rhythm, and his strength and health seem to be fine. And, you know, they're, they're, them as a group are kind of coming together and they have nothing to lose right now. They're getting Thomas Bryant back, Dennis Schroeder. Um, so that helps a little bit too. Uh, but this is what they, that's what he needs to do in order for them to be able to win games during this, this, this regular season with Braun being out. AD's going to have to be a monster, and he's very capable of doing it. It's just, you know, night in, night out, he has to come with that same mentality, and I think his, his whole mentality has changed. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's nice to see some him come back to somewhat of what he used to be. And for the record, Danny, uh, anybody who's affiliated with Lethal Shooter on the internet, at least, is destined to have a bad shooting season, even though the stats would be contrary to that. But that's another story uh, for another day. <laughs> that as they say. That's what they, that's what the internet says. Uh, but the internet says a lot of things. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, we got Thanksgiving coming up guys. I just want you to, uh, give the listeners, uh, one thing, or I'd rather get two things, uh, that you're, that you're thankful for. It could be basketball related, sports related. And obviously if you want to expound past that, you can, but, uh, what would you be sports related? What would you be thankful for? Uh, Mr. Beck? Um, that the NBA is so great at producing drama. Hmm. I mean, where would I be without it, right? I covered Shaq and Kobe for seven years. I've been covering the league for 25. This is my 26th season. Like, where would I be? You know, where? what would we all be talking about on podcasts? And what would I be writing about if the NBA wasn't so incredible at just producing an endless string of drama? Uh, personality conflicts and grudges, rivalries, and a lot of great basketball along the way, too, for sure. That is also part of, of the drama. But um, no, this league, and it's this season in particular has not always been good drama. It's been a lot of like kind of uh, you know troubling stuff in the, in the early parts of the season, going all the way back actually even to uh, preseason with the, the Robert Sarver stuff and everything. But um, so it's not always a, a good kind of drama. I don't want to be too glib about it. But 
there is never a shortage in this league of things to discuss, analyze, break down. So I am thankful for that because um, it makes my job, uh, uh, you know, interesting to say the least. Yeah, for sure. It would have been, you would have had uh, quite the story there if uh, you got the inside scoop on when Danny threw the ball to Joel Embiid with Ben Simmons <laughs> guarding him, but he didn't do it again. Uh, all right, Same Danny, what do you think? <laughs> Danny, what are you thankful for, my friend? Oh, man, there's two things. Basketball, sports-wise, there's two main things that I'm thankful for, and that's the Myers Institute of Sport and the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, give me the opportunity to rehab with them and get my knee. Obviously, Memphis believing in me, give me an opportunity to play for this team and and knowing and thinking that I can get back this year. Uh, but Myers Institute of Sport, my guy, Sean Johns, my physical therapist, who has put my knee and body in a very good place to be on a, a path to coming back earlier than most people expected this year. And of course, the Memphis Grizzlies, Mike Rongrati, it's my guy. He's my, uh, my uh, go-to one-on-one guy that I work with every day with the Memphis Grizzlies and who's helping me re- rehab right now during this time. And he's a big reason why my knee is in a really good spot. So hopefully you'll be seeing me sooner than later on the court because of those two people, that, those two groups of people that I just mentioned, uh, in particular, Sean Johnson and Mike Roncarati, um, who have been my PTs during this time and trying to get me back at a target date, which is maybe before All-Star. So we'll see. Hey, when they're, when they're done with you, tell them to come work on my Achilles, please. Yeah, I'm going to some calls. Uh, and you, I, I H, say, which, what, yeah, what are you thankful for, man? Sports-wise, uh, right? I'm thankful. Well, uh, I, well, I, I've been living in Los Angeles for the past, what, three years. I'm actually living in New York again, my hometown, for the first time in a very long time. And I'm actually going to be able to spend the holidays with my family for the first time wow. in a very wow. long time. Uh, so that is something I'm very thankful for. And I'm thankful uh, that I'll also be, uh, I also have leftovers to take home as well after the festivities <laughs> are over because. Your boy doesn't like to cook or doesn't have enough time to cook rather yet. So uh, that's pretty much it for me. Oh, your job has put you in a good position to be home. That's that's a great thing, man. I'm glad you're home with the family. We're all thankful for our family and friends. Don't we haven't forgotten about you. We were just talking sports business wise of what we do. But yes, we're thankful for our family and friends. We hope all you guys have a great holiday. Those are tuning in. Happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. And we're thankful for all you guys that are listening as well. I think Danny, that I think all we have to say, and we're also thankful for Howard and we can say goodbye. We are thankful for Howard. Thankful for you guys having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. And the World Cup, it seems. We have the World Cup going on. So you got to be thankful for all the other sports that are going on. Yes. I'm I'm, actually, as much as I'm looking forward to the World Cup, it's actually too much sports going on right now. I can't. It's it's hey, nonstop. It's, it's not thing, good. Man. It's not good for the dating life, Danny. It's not. I hear you. Stuff. But when it's dry in the summertime, there's no sports on. You're waiting for basketball to come back. You're gonna be complaining, man. So be thankful we got everything we have right now. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. but that's uh, once again, thank you to Howard Beck of Sports Illustrated. That's Danny Green. I'm Harrison Sifford. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. We'll be back next week uh to discuss some more things around the association and things going on off the court as well see you guys next time enjoy the holiday save us a plate